WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of City Talk, because we have a very special guest, the first lady of comedy, and that's Carol Burnett. Hello, Carol. Hello. <laughs> Hi there. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great, Ken. Thank you. Listen, I just re-listened to your audio book, um, which I, the name of it just went out of the best company or whatever it was. And oh, right yeah, in, the in be- such good company. In yeah. such good company. That's it. But right in the beginning, 25 Emmy Awards. That seems unbelievable today. <laughs> Well, you know, we ran for 11 years, and so all of those awards were not just, they weren't just for me, it was for the show and for the director and for Vicky and Harvey and Tim and some of the writers and all of that. So it was spread out, all, all 25 Emmys. All right. Let's talk about how that show got started. You were under contract in like 1962. But, but didn't sign it with CBS after working with Gary Moore until 1967. Right. right. Well, the thing was, I, uh, I did sign a contract with CBS after I left Gary's show. And the contract was for 10 years, uh, where it would require me to do one special, one hour uh, variety special a year, plus two guest appearances on uh, some CBS half-hour sitcoms for <clears throat> 10 years, and but also within the first five years, if I, Carol, opted and wanted to do a one-hour comedy variety show, a CBS would have to put it on for 30 shows, uh, pay or play, uh, whether they wanted it or not. And I, when I saw that in the contract, I was a pretty good agent, I have to say. And I said, oh, gee, I, that's swell, but I don't think I would ever, I, I never pictured myself as hosting an hour show. It just wasn't, you know, in my mind at all at that time. <laughs> so um, four, four and a half years went by, and uh, my husband and I moved from New York to uh California, and uh, it was the last week before the fifth year would be over. Uh, so it was between Christmas and New Year's, and we had just uh, purchased a home in Beverly Hills, and uh, we really uh, needed actually the work. And so we looked at each other and said, Well, we said, Oh, you know, maybe we ought to call CBS and what they would call push that button and they would have to give us 30 shows, one hour comedy variety shows. So I picked up the phone and called uh, one of the major vice presidents of CBS back in uh, New York. And uh, so he got on the phone and said, how was your Christmas? And on and on, you know, uh, just before, this was just before New Year's. And uh, I said, well, uh, great. And, you know, I'm calling Mike. Uh, that was his name, Mike, Dan. I said, I'm going, I want to push that button. You know, and he said, what button? And I said, well, you know where 
if I want to do an hour comedy variety show, you would put it on the air. And he said, oh, let me get back to you. And so I've said this before. I think he probably got a lot of lawyers out of a Christmas parties, and you know, that that night. And uh, he called the next day. And so evidently they had checked the contract. And he said, oh, yeah, Carol, I see that. But he said, you know, comedy variety isn't for you gals. It's a man's game. And I said, well, you know, it's what I would like to do. And he said, oh, well, we've got this great sitcom we'd love you to do. I remember it's called Here's Agnes. (laughs) I said, I don't want to be Agnes every week. I want to have a variety show where I could be different characters. And I want a rep company like Sid Caesar had. And I want guest stars. I want music and dancing. And, you know, I want it to be like a mini musical comedy review every week. You know, like a Broadway show. And they had to put it on. And so I know they they didn't think we would last. I didn't know if we would last. But I do remember the first night we were going to tape. And I got Harvey and Vicky and Lyle. Tim wasn't a regular at that point. Together, just before we were going to go on the air. And I said, you know what? I don't know if this is going to last or what, but what we have to do is just go out there and let's have some fun. And, you know, and just just kick up our heels and not worry about whether or not we'll go past 30 shows or, or not, you know. And that's what we did. Yeah, of course, you sure did. 30, it wound up to be 270-some-odd shows as opposed to 30. And then but I have to say, what was really terrific at the time was uh, William Paley was the head of CBS. And I remember he said to us, and he said it to, not just to us, but I'm sure to all the other CBS shows that he, you know, that were on under uh, his leadership. He said, you guys are the artists. I'm the businessman. You go do what you do and I'll do what I do. And they left us alone, which is unheard of today. Today, yeah. you know, the sp- sponsors want to get in on it. The, uh, uh, the network wants to get on it. They want to rewrite stuff and tell you how to do it. And uh, it's, he let us do it. I mean, he was a, he was that way with Dick Van Dyke. He was that way with Mary, and I'm sure Bob Newhart, all of, and all of the family. They left us alone, and so. As a result, like, you know, we we just had we had a great time. Nobody bothered us. Nobody gave us notes and oh, well, you know, I think you should do this or you should do that. They left us alone, and for that, I'll always be grateful. All right, let's bump up the lights for a second. Yeah, uh, and talk about Bob Banner and Gary Moore and what that added to your program. Well, what happened was. Uh, when we knew we were going to do the show, Bob Banner, who was the executive producer at the beginning, and he was the producer of the Gary Moore show, said, Carol, you should, instead of hiring a comedian to come out and do the warm-up for this audience, you know, we had a live audience uh, uh, every week. 
he said, why don't you come out and you be the warm-up person and we'll tape it. And, and he said, and I remember I used to, when I was on Gary's show, I would be backstage and Gary would go out and do the warm-up and do it as Q&A with the audience. And he he was just wonderful at it. They didn't tape it, he, but he would be the warm-up guy. And I always was amazed at how how he was quick with his answers and funny and uh, charming and, and warm and all of that. And I looked at Bob Banner when he suggested that I would do that. And I said, you know, I, 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 I don't think I could do that. I, I was afraid nobody would ask a question or if they did, I wouldn't have a snappy answer, you know? And he said, it's important for you to come out and be yourself and we'll tape it and be yourself so that the audience and the home audience too gets to know you as Carol before you get into all those crazy wigs and suits and fat suits and <laughs> all kinds of stuff that and playing different characters. And so I said, well, okay, um, let me do about four of them, you know, four weeks worth <clears throat> for the next four shows, first four shows. And uh, let me see how it goes. And if I don't feel comfortable with it, let's forget it, you know, and, and not do it. So I remember the first time I went out, I was terrified, you know, to talk to the audience. And so they kind of asked, they asked me a couple of questions and I answered it. And then uh, the next week I went out and did it again. And by the third week, the audience had seen the show, the studio audience. So they were, they came prepared, a lot of them, you know, with some questions and I was able to feel them pretty well. And all of a sudden I started to enjoy it. And uh, so it just became a staple of our show and nothing was written. He said, I remember Bob said, well, if you're nervous, we'll write some questions for you and have somebody be a plant in the audience that you'd call on and you'd and we'd write the answers for you. And I said, no, if, if it's going to be, if I'm going to be out there, it's got to be for real. I don't want to know what anybody's going to ask. And I want to just point to people as they raise their hands. And, and, uh, you know, if I have egg on my face, they'll know that it's true, that it's honest. So it always was. And as I say, it became one of my favorite things to do on the show after a while. I've always been curious about, about shows like that. Where did you get your audience? I mean, did you put ads on the radio saying that we're going to be taping I, such I, and such? <laughs> I, I think they send, the network sends out uh, information. And then sometimes they'll bus audiences in. And then uh, sometimes we would have regular uh, audience members come every week, you know. And uh, I, I'm not sure how they did it, but it was done through the network. There is a funny story. I never laughed so hard in my life when I read the story about Steve Lawrence coming to the oh. studio and, yeah. and getting pulled over by a policeman. Please right. tell it as only you can tell it. <laughs> well, Steve was one of my favorite guests because he, uh, he not only could sing, but he was very funny in all the sketches that we gave him. You know, he's a brilliant comedic actor. <clears throat> and so excuse me, he lived, he and Edie lived in New York, and then they flew out here, and he was going to do my show, 
And so he made an illegal turn on Fairfax Avenue coming into Television City because he wasn't used to that particular rule that didn't occur in New York or something. Anyway, he was pulled over by a policeman who did not recognize him. And the policeman asked to see his license. And he goofed because he'd left uh, his license in a different wallet in his hotel room. So he didn't have, he said, but I'm here to do the Carol Burnett show. And the cop said, oh yeah, I'm right. And I'm on, I'm going to be on Johnny Carson tonight. You know, <laughs> and she said, no, no, look. And he had the script binder uh, in his car, which had, had the script in it. And it had the Carol Burnett show and his name on the bottom. That was his. And he said, see, I'm Steve. I'm that guy. And the cop said, how do I know you're that guy? And Steve's just he's going crazy, you know. He's, he's going to be hauled off to jail. He said, okay, look, look. Here, look at this sketch. You read this part, and uh, and I'll, I'll you read Carol's part, and I'll, I'll be mine. Now, I know the sketch, so you'll know <laughs> when I say this, you'll know I'm really Steve Lawrence. So the policeman starts doing the sketch, and says, and Steve starts, I think, with something. Hi, honey, I'm home. And the cop says, where have you been reading my part? And on and on. And the cop, <laughs> finally, the cop looked at Steve and he says, this isn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he let him go. <laughs> that's, that's a great, I love that story. I laughed so hard. My wife heard me and came upstairs and wanted to know what I was laughing at. That's a great story. Now, funny. I I did not watch this on YouTube when it was first on, but I remember watching it. It was a show with Jack Benny. You did a Tarzan sketch, and you also did the trolley song. With my high starch collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled high up on my head, I went to lose a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yen, so I counted to ten, then I counted to ten again. Tell me what you remember about Jack and that whole situation. Oh, Jack, I think at the time, was in his late 60s. What a charming, wonderful man he was. Yeah. And uh, so, and I love the fact that we had a studio audience. And uh, yeah, I sang the trolley song. And then we were, we were going to do Tarzan and Jane. And it was started out where it was 20 years earlier. So, she decides to live in the jungle with Tarzan, who at the time was this gorgeous hunk of a guy. And then it goes to the, now they're married 20 years later. And Tarzan is now Jack Benny you know, in this terrible uh, loincloth or whatever the heck they put him in. And I'm not a, a happy uh, jungle wife and all in, but he wants at, at the time he wanted to, he comes in, uh, and he wants to play uh, catch with her, with uh, her, and play a game. But the catch is instead of throwing a ball, they throw boulders at each other. And so at this one point, and of course there were props, 
so they were not heavy or anything like that. So I, my thing was I threw the boulder to him as Tarzan, and he kind of fell. He backed into some prop bushes and uh, accidentally. And, of course, we're, go, we're not live. He could have stopped, but he didn't. And I, he came out out of the bushes, and he had blood on his arm and his hand. He was bleeding. And he, he kind of wiped it, I think, a bit, on, uh, you know, to hide it. And he just kept on going. And I was just so amazed at, at, at that. And I realized you know, he, that's, that's like theater training. You go on, you keep going no matter what. Whereas today, of course, even then, he could have said, hold it, stop, you know, because we were taping. And he, he didn't, or filming it. And uh, he just kept on going. I, it was just amazing. And oh, what a nice man. What a nice man he was. We just, I did, I did a show two or three times, yeah. you know, and I, yeah, and I just loved being with him. I saw you were also on one of my favorite panel shows that I used to watch every Sunday night at 1030. And that was What's My Line? Oh, I was, yeah, I was a guest on that. But I yeah. wasn't one of the, I wasn't one of the panelists. No, you were a guest, but it was, was Buddy Hackett. Buddy Hackett right, figured but, out it was you. Yeah, because, right, and because he was one of the panelists. And because yep. uh, that was one of my very first jobs was with Buddy uh, when he did a, a short-lived uh, sitcom called Stanley. In fact, it, it's the only live sitcom that was ever on. So we went live on that. And uh, it, it was funny because uh, the uh, network, I think it was CBS, I'm not sure, NBC maybe, hired people to come in and laugh at the sketch, at what we were doing, because there was no, they couldn't edit and put a laugh track in later. So they wanted to make sure that all the jokes would land. So they hired uh, like William Morris agents to come in and, and laugh at everything. <laughs> so they were the oh. live laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you mentioned, uh, don't, you don't mention the actor's name, but somebody who was a real pain in the neck and during your show and, and uh, you didn't mention his name, but I'm curious, is there ever, or has there ever been anyone that you wanted to get and couldn't? <clears throat> Uh, I think it was Betty Davis, you know, because we, I loved working with some of the movie stars that I grew up watching. You know, we had Betty Grable on our show, Lana Turner, Rita Hayworth, Bing Crosby, you know, it was all, and so I just thought, wouldn't it be great to get Betty Davis? Because she watched our show. She sent me a note saying she loved, loved doing the show, but unfortunately she wanted more money than what was allocated to pay our regular guest stars and she wouldn't budge on that and we couldn't do that and make that exception you know and i, I was really sorry about that but um but i did get to know her and she was a fan and of course i was a fan of hers excuse now, me i got a frog in my throat <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's that's all right um yeah tell me 
I know how it is to be in front of an audience and play off of an audience and get the reaction. But when you do a movie, you haven't got that. Is it yeah. harder? Was it harder for you to do movies than it was your television show? Yes. For that very reason. You know, you, you have to, <clears throat> I'm currently now a filming a, a series for uh, Apple, <clears throat> which is uh, featuring Kristen Wiig, Allison Janney, and uh, Laura Dern. It's called Mrs. American Pie, and it's very funny. And I play a matriarch of Palm Beach Society, and it all takes place in the 70s. And it's very funny. So we'll do a scene, and, you know, it's funny. And then when they say cut, then <laughs> the crew laughs. You know, so at least you know. <laughs> yeah, but they can't laugh during the scene. <clears throat> you know? An actor uh, that you... Yeah, oh, I, go ahead. I, you you get immediate response from a live audience, and that's what I like. Yeah, and you um, know you know when you're doing well, and you know when you're bombing. You know. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you talk an awful lot about Harvey Corman, and after oh, yeah. the tenth after the tenth season, he has his chance to do his own show. Right. Did that did that figure at all in your cancellation of the program? Yeah, yes. I decided after the 11th year, CBS wanted us back for a 12th. And I missed Harvey. And I um, also, I felt that we had done just about every kind of a sketch you could do and everything. Uh, and at times we Sometimes the eleventh season, we did some pretty good stuff, but I just felt that we were, in certain instances, starting to repeat ourselves, and so I felt, you know, time to quit before the network comes in and says stop doing this. So I decided to, you know, quit while we were ahead. Yeah, and you were, and you were way ahead. They moved you to Sunday night your last season. <laughs> right. Yeah, we were in. Well, gosh, <clears throat> we started. Uh, on Mondays, then they moved us at one point to Wednesday, and then of course the great Saturday night lineup was the best because that was All in the Family and Mash and Mary and Bob Newhart and then our show, and that was appointment television because there weren't there people weren't taping at that time, so people would stay home and stay home on a Saturday night to watch that whole Saturday night CBS lineup. I, I remember just, it. I remember yeah. it well. I remember it, it very was well. Fabulous. I used to watch it. Um, I also love the promos that you do or have done for Me TV. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, we're, we're, yeah, we're doing pretty well there. So I was very happy about that. And what's yeah, especially, fun for me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Especially the one where you're talking to Perry Mason. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's very cleverly done, you know, what they did. But uh, because of me TV and being on YouTube and now Shout <clears throat> and all of that, I'm getting fan mail from 10-year-olds. <laughs> oh, that's great. Teenagers and teenagers. And, you know, even people in their 20s and 30s, of course, they weren't born when we yep. did our show. And it's... It, 
it's just such a thrill. A few years ago, short years ago, pre-pandemic, <clears throat> I was doing one of my Q&A shows. I think I was in Texas. And so, and I, and I got, I would get audiences that would range from like seven years old to 97 years old, you know? And so I, this little boy in the second row raised his hand and I, I called on him and I said, first, what's your name? And he said, Andrew. And I said, how old are you, Andrew? And he said, nine. And I said, and you know who I am? And there was a pause and he said, Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> I know. That's that's a great story. I, I spent, that is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I spent part of my morning today watching Gomer Pyle. Oh and my. a lady named a lady named Sergeant Carol Barnes. <laughs> right. And I'll bet right. row, row, row your boat will stay in your heart forever. Oh, the first time I ever did that song was with Robert Preston. Ah. I did a special in uh, 1962 called Carol and Company. And Robert Preston, who was in the music man, of course, uh, was my only guest. And Row Row was written at that time for Bob and me. But then Jim and I would do it constantly because we had an act, Jim Neighbors and I, and we were in Vegas a couple of times together. And so it was perfect for him to do Roro because of that character of Gomer. Yeah. Shazam. <laughs> yeah. Jim. I um, kind of like the, the brother I never had. He's my middle daughter's godfather. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember watching and enjoying one of the best renditions of the Impossible Dream song when he oh, did right. it in Washington with the Marine Band. I love yeah. that. I thought that was well, great. I, <laughs> I have to tell there's a funny story. We were we had this act together and what we did was uh I would come out and I'd do my kind of few minutes by myself in front of the audience and then Jim would come out and he'd do stuff by himself, then we'd get together and do a sketch and we'd do the row row number and all of that. So, but he lived in Hawaii and he had a macadamia nut farm, you know, and he, so he, he, he was, uh, had this whole thing with macadamia nut trees and all of this. And so he, I would stand in the wings and I would watch him <clears throat> do his 15 or 20 minutes. And of course, at the end of it, he would do, the impossible dream and the audience would stand up and cheer. I mean, standing ovation, <laughs> he'd come back into the wings and he'd look at me and he said, well, I just bought me another tractor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great, but it's a, it's a beautiful rendition of, of that oh, yeah. song. I don't think I've ever heard anything like it. And, mm -hmm. it. and it's amazing how a guy could talk like this and come out yeah. and sing. Yeah. I just loved yeah. it. Just loved it. Um, and I loved some of your one-liners in your book. Like, for instance, when you talked about going abroad and staying in a small hotel room, and you said, how small was it? If you open a Kleenex, you'd have wall-to-wall -wall carpeting. Right. <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so what do you like oh. to watch on TV these days, Carol? Well, I like to, well, I was hooked on uh, way back Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul uh, was my favorite. And I just finished last year, I did a guest appearance on Better Call Saul, which just aired a few weeks ago. And I love that. Uh, I, I haven't gotten hooked on anything recently because I'm working. And uh, so I just, uh, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I watch the old channel and watch old movies, which I, I love to do. You know, but uh, so far, I'm not hooked on any particular uh, series yet. Do you, do you still keep in touch with anybody? Like, I know Carol Lawrence is still alive. I think Bob Mackey mm -hmm. is. Um, oh, oh, of course. You mean Vicki Lawrence. Vicki Lawrence, yes. Yeah, of course. Yes, yes. And, uh, and of course, Bob. Bob has moved to Palm Springs. And, uh, I'm, and I'm in touch with Bernadette Peters. And Bernadette was the very first person we signed to do my show. She was 19. Uh. 19 uh, yeah do and, you have enough uh, so, go ahead go ahead no no go ahead no I, I have seen vicky and her husband al for dinner when they can get up to uh la or i live in santa barbara but right now i'm filming so i'm at a hotel in uh los angeles while we're shooting at paramount that the uh thing with uh, Kristen and and uh allison and Laura, and I'll be finished, I think, sometime in October, and then I'll be back home, you know. So I've been busy this past year doing Better Call Saul, and now this, this one, it's called Mrs. American Pie, and as I said, it's for Apple TV. I, 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 do you have enough time? I think it's a very heartwarming story on how you found Vicki. Oh, sure. Um, she, we were going to do the show. Uh, you know, we, uh, CBS was going to have to put us on. And we had already hired Harvey. And um, this was like in January of 1967. And we were going to go on in the fall of 1967. And they we talked about doing a recurring sketch every so often about a married couple, Harvey and me, and that we're... Uh, raising my kid's sister. So we didn't, you know, we knew Harvey was going to play the husband. And uh, we didn't, but, but this was January, so we had time. And I was reading fan mail this one afternoon. And uh, I opened this letter from this young girl who was a senior at, at a high school in Inglewood, California, Vicki Lawrence. And she was a lovely letter, being a fan said that she um, uh, a lot of people say that uh, uh, she reminds them of a young Carol and she enclosed a newspaper article that had her photo her picture in it uh, and it was talking about how she was going to be a contestant it was a local newspaper from Inglewood talking about how she was going to be a contestant in a, a contest for the title role of this fireball of Inglewood. And so uh, she was one of nine who were going to be in the show. So 
the, the their local newspaper was doing an article on each one of the girls. So she sent me the article that was about her. And I looked at the photograph and she really looked a lot like I did more than I did at 17 or 18. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Then I looked further and I read the article and the contest was going to be the very night I got this. It was going to be tonight because the letter had been forwarded to me from CBS and it took two or three weeks, you know, and it got to me on the exact day that she was going to be in the contest that night. So I thought, Oh my gosh. So my husband, who's going to produce the show came into the office and I said, don't get too comfortable. We're going to go see the Miss Fireball contest tonight in Inglewood. He said, what are you talking about? And I showed him the letter and this, and he said, you know, we should call her or let her know that we're going to come, make sure she won't be nervous or whatever. You know, so her father's name was listed in the article. So I got his uh, a telephone number from the operator and I dialed and called and I talked to Vicki and um, she w- was kind of stunned. I said, I got your letter and I know the contest is tonight. Would, would you be okay? Uh, with, you know, if my husband and I came to see you tonight and she says, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, and we went and she won the contest and we went backstage, met her and I said, we'll be in touch. And uh, so the following summer, that summer, we called her and had her come in and audition and she it was between her and another girl who had experience. Vicky had none, <clears throat> excuse me, except in high school. And, uh, but we hired her and uh, the rest is history. She started out being my kid sister and wound up being my mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a transformation. Tell me, and, but you know, she, she was very raw at the beginning and Harvey took her under his wing and taught her how to deal with props how to deal with her lines, how you don't just wait for your cue, you have to listen, and on and on. So she learned her comedy in front of 30 million people every week and became really a terrific comedic actress. And, and you she know also something? Had... Again, today, no mm-hmm. network would let me hire her. Not today. Because she's really? 17... Yes, 17, right out of high school. Wow. They wouldn't let me hire her. Yeah. And they, and she they had... have a hand in everything. You know, as I said, they, they're micromanaging. And so uh, they they would not allow anybody to hire somebody like that with a major role like that to come in. Mm. So and she was, had... we were lucky. She had a gold record and you gave it to her on your show. That's right. Yep. The night the lights went out in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. She yep. sold over a million, a platinum record, actually, was it? Oh, I, I, I don't know. The book said gold record. So I. Uh... Oh, I think I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember. Anyway, it was a major. She sold over a million copies of that song. I think it's a great song. I went back and listened to it after I had heard you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we're running short on time, but. 
you talked a lot on Johnny Carson's program about Jimmy Stewart's 30th anniversary party, which was hysterical <laughs> the way you did it. Um, and meeting people like Cary Grant. And I remember Carson, you said you danced with Jimmy Stewart and Carson said, does he dance as the way that he talks? It broke me up. <laughs> oh, I, well, he was my favorite actor. And I, I loved him from the time I was three or four years old. First time I ever saw him in a movie. I remember <laughs> I was, it was in Texas. I was with my grandmother who raised me. And there's this tall, skinny guy on the screen. And I fell in love. I was four or five years old. And I said to my grandmother, I said, Nanny, he's my friend. I know him. I just haven't met him yet. <laughs> and you know what? It turned out that he did become my friend. And uh, he surprised me on my final show. Did you ever see that? Uh, no, I don't believe I did. I, I've heard parts of the show. Well, you know what? I... You can YouTube it. Just write Carol Burnett and Jimmy Stewart. Okay. <clears throat> and you'll see. He surprised me on my final show. And you know, I had I had a music stuff. I had a music teacher in college who sounded uh-huh. exactly like Jimmy Stewart. Oh, it was no kind of weird. Almost hearing Jimmy Stewart t- talk about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> that was really something listen yeah I, I i can't thank you enough for doing this i really can't I, and as an old cliche goes i'm so glad we had this time together oh thank <laughs> you ken that's so sweet. carol i will i will tell you the same thing that uh mike wallace said to johnny carson and that is that you are a national treasure oh my god well, I, wow, <laughs> thank you. That's very sweet. Um, we all, I've been in broadcasting for 20 years. Uh, there are highlights that I can look back on. One of which, by the way, was interviewing Perry Mason, um, oh, Raymond, no, Raymond, no, Burr, Raymond Burr, oh, which my was gosh. absolutely great. I kept holding the mic and thinking, you know, if God could talk, he would probably sound <laughs> just like this. He, oh, that's he was funny. He was he was wonderful. They were just getting ready to start to film the um, the Perry Mason two hour movies. Uh, yeah. Oh. So he was he was really great. And all I kept thinking was, I'm really sitting here next to Perry Mason. Wow. <laughs> it, it was really something. Um, but but you were absolutely wonderful. I will always remember this. Uh, I wish you. you all all the luck in the world and whatever you whatever you accomplish. Thank you. Uh, well, you take care. I will do that. You Stay are, well. I will. You Stay try and well. do the Stay same. Safe. Enjoy that beautiful yes. home in Santa Barbara. Thank you. And know that uh, we 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 all love you, and you're the best in the world. Thank you so much. You take care, Bye-bye. Carol. Bye bye. I will. And that bye. will do it for another edition of City Talk. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.